Good afternoon, my friends. Thank you for joining us for one more session of Kardec after lunch. Uh, and now to some announcements. Please download the app and listen to Kardec radio programs and podcasts. Feel free to send questions to Kardec radio Twitter account. And remember that all of this work is done by volunteers, but there are costs associated with web and app hosting, along with broadcast and publishing. So if you're able to, please be kind and donate. So this work of love may continue for many years to come. God bless. As it is customary in our uh, project, uh, Kardec After Lunch, I'm going to be reading from one of Kardec's books each day of the week. On Friday, it's when we do our shows on Kardec Radio, and we decided to read the Meetings book. This is the edition I have on hand, and I suggest you follow along. <clears throat> And for that reason, you can use a book. You can use uh, ebook, you know, like Kindle or something like that. And, or you can go to kardakpedia.com and follow along that way. And the reason we do this <clears throat> is to expose people to the works of Kardec. Because I think some people put off actively working, sorry, actively studying Kardec because they think perhaps it's a too complex or um, perhaps it is not offered, specifically one uh, no, uh, of his books, not offer as a group study in perhaps your local spiritist society or spiritist study group. And it's understandable because some books are actually uh, really meant to be at least in my view to be read in sequence you know so we start with spirit's book and then go to meeting's book followed by the gospel according to spiritism then heaven and hell and finally genesis and uh, specifically i would say heaven and hell and genesis are a more involved type of reading but uh, nonetheless very very valuable and I recommend that reading. But <clears throat> today we're going to be reading from this one. And if you'd like to follow along, uh, know that you are free to send in comments, questions, or suggestions. If you don't like your comment, question, or suggestion to be publicly available, you can click on our link, uh, spiritismstudy.org, and send it as a private message to us. And I'll respond as soon as possible. But we are on paragraph number 54. We're on chapter one, the action of spirits upon matter. So let's go. Numerous observations and irrefutable facts, which we shall deal with later, have demonstrated that human beings consist of three components. One, the soul or spirit, the intelligent principle in which the moral sense resides. Number two, the body, the material and dense envelope which the spirit temporarily uses as a garment for fulfilling certain providential designs. And number three, the perispirit, the fluidic semi-material envelope which serves as the link between the soul and the body. So, <clears throat> uh, most of you, I imagine, if uh, you are not new to Spiritism, perhaps already have an idea 
of the composition of the spirit and the parts that integrate its journey in the spirit, sorry, the material world. So continue. Death is the destruction, or better yet, the disaggregation of the dense envelope that the soul abandons. It's not needed when we cross the line of death in, back into the spiritual world. The other envelope detaches itself and accompanies the soul, which is the perispirit, which therefore always has an envelope, although fluidic, ethereal, vaporous, and invisible to us in its normal state, this latter envelope is also material despite the fact that until now we have been unable to capture and submit to analysis. So I think the reason they reiterate this point many times throughout the doctrine uh, is uh, sometimes they even say like, uh, what's the perispirit composed of, or is this something? And the spirits say, it is something, no that much, because to us, we have the senses uh, capable to feel it, to perceive it, although you in your current form do not. Right? And although the density, and I, I use that word perhaps, um, perhaps it's not the most appropriate word, but I believe it's something quite similar to what the spirits use to describe. And they say the density of the perispirit, uh, it's modified according to our development or elevation and the material world or journey currently takes us to, right? So <clears throat> this second envelope of the soul or perispirit therefore exists during corporeal life itself. It is the intermediary for all the sensations perceived by the spirit. So kind of like, you know, the bridge between uh, the body and the spirit itself. And through which the spirit transmits its will to the outside world and acts upon the body's physical organs. To make a material analogy, the perispirit is the electrical wiring that serves for the reception and transmission of thought. Finally, this mysterious and imperceptible agent, known also as the neutral fluid, which performs such an important role in the organic workings of the body, is still not sufficiently taken into consideration regarding physiological and pathological phenomena. By taking only the ponderable material element into consideration, medical science deprives itself of a permanent cause of action in its, sorry, in its study of the facts. However, this is not the proper place to examine the issue, and we need only remember that knowing about the perispirit is the key to a host of problems that have until now been unexplainable. So there are some uh, points of the doctrine that the spirits clearly and unequivocally tell us that we have said enough or don't go any further. Uh, you will not 
um, benefit you in any way to get lost in this maze uh, of, you know, of, of knowledge or perception. So in uh, some points, uh, of course, the most in intricate one is understanding God as a divine power. And uh, it's right in the beginning of uh, this spirit's book. So, oh, hello, Saul. Thank you for joining us. Continue. The very spirit is not one of those hypotheses in which science seeks recourse in order to explain a given fact. Its existence was not only revealed by the spirits, but has also been confirmed by observation, as we will have the occasion to demonstrate further on. For now, however, and in order not to anticipate issues that we will have to deal with later, we will limit ourselves to stating that whether during this union with the body or after its separation from it, the soul is never separated from its very spirit. Those two parts of that three-part equation that do not detach, you know, and the major transformation is the density of the fluidity of the very spirit will change uh, as we evolve. Number 55, we have already stated elsewhere that the spirit is a flame, a spark. This applies to the spirit per se as the intellectual and moral principle, but we do not know how to assign a specific shape to it. However, no matter what its degree of evolution, it is always clothed with an envelope or perispirit whose nature becomes more and more etherealized as it purifies and raises itself in the spirit hierarchy. Thus, the idea of form is for us so inseparable from the idea of spirit that we cannot conceive of one without the other. The pure spirit, therefore, comprises an integral component of the spirit just as the body comprises an integral part of the human being. However, the perispirit is not the spirit, just as the body by itself is not the human being, because the perispirit does not think. Rather, it is for the spirit what the body is for the individual, the agent or instrument of activity. So, to the, to the spirit, uh, the body is just a tool, or in other places of the doctrine, what they call it, just clothes that you use while you would attach to the material world. And when your journey there has ended, you kind of like know you were at work, and that's the uniform you use. As soon as you get off shifts, take off your uniform and leave the uniform there. All right? Your spirit and its very spirit continues its journey of evolution towards perfection, uh, etherealizing itself little by little uh, until become almost imperceptible. Uh, let me say thanks to Fernando Crochete. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced. Rafael Piedade Medeiros. Thank you for your support. Appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> 
Number 56. The form of the perispirit is the human form. And when it appears to us, it is usually in the same form by which we knew the spirit during its physical life. Now, hello, Mike. Thanks for joining. Love you. Um, my wife. Now, it is interesting to note that since we join or group ourselves by reason of affinity in the spiritual world, it is likely that we have known, uh, or at least in some groups, we know each other through multiple incarnations. And how it is decided, what shape your perispirit will keep um, while in the midst of this group? Is it going to be a first common uh, shape uh, where you share the incarnation together or it's going to be the subsequent ones? That is perhaps uh, something that is unimportant to the equation of agroupment by affinity uh, and the life or the purpose that we have in the spiritual world. And many times I actually even uh, consider that many of the details um, sometimes are shared as far as the spiritual life, uh, uh, perhaps depending on your perspective and your per personal taste, they may be unimportant to your journey to better oneself morally, intellectually, and spiritually. No, I don't know. But let's continue. That is why we might believe that the perispirit, even when disconnected from all the components of the body, must have somehow modeled itself after the body and retain it its form afterwards. So we're going to be leaving. That's where the point we're going to be continue on next week. We keep our videos kind of short, um, <clears throat> but uh, like I say, it's just meant to expose you to a work you perhaps have not read from it before, uh, and to perhaps interest uh, in taking a more active role in the study of Kardec. But until then, until next time, Godspeed to all.